Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me today in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and oh yeah, that sometimes messy thing that we call life. This podcast, it's brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, thanks so much for joining us again today. And I'm here with my new friend, Kate Supa. Actually, Kate, I didn't ask you how to pronounce your last name before we started the call. Is it, <laughs> is it Supa? Is that correct? Yeah, it's Supa. You got it. That's perfect. And, and something that I mentioned to you and that I tell a, a good number of our interviewees on the Boca Podcast, actually, is I love the raw element of just kind of diving into conversation with those guests who I don't know very well personally, because I like to get to know you with our listeners. And so we're going to get into that here in just a little bit. But I like to get our podcast episodes started with what we call the aha moment. And really, if we were to sum this up, this would be the maybe the biggest or hardest lesson that you've learned as a photography business owner. What would that be? So when I first started and I realized this is what I want to do and this is what I want to make my career, I realized that I was definitely not the first one to have that idea. The market <laughs> was flooded. Yes. People were becoming photographers, you know, left and right. So I knew that I had to get my photos looking like how I wanted them to look and I needed to get there fast and I needed to figure out how to stand out from everybody else around me. And so that was, I mean, that was hard because you... I mean, naturally, you see somebody's Facebook or their Instagram feed and you compare yourself. And I did the same thing. So now what year was this that you got that you got started? Because you talked about the market being flooded and this has been the case yes. for a little while now. But mm -hmm. when was that? OK, so I started I remember doing my first photo shoot in 2013. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's that's definitely well into the I, I mean, I think back to when I started, which was about 2001 or so, and I was shooting film, and then we made the transition into digital in about 2005, and, and things started to get busy as that technology was much more accessible to many more people mm -hmm. at, a, at a lesser price point. So 2013, yeah, you're well in, and you're definitely yes. coming into a busy market, and um, so I totally understand that. We're going to actually talk very specifically in a little bit about how to clearly position yourself against your local market so you do stand out, and I'm, I'm excited to dive into that here in just a bit, but let's jump back to the personal side of things. This is one of my favorite parts of the podcast. Uh, tell us more about you, about your husband, your kids. You have a beautiful Instagram feed, which we're also going to talk about, but it highlights your family. Tell us more about them. Yes, I love my family more than life. So I got married in 2012. My husband's name is Dave. He, his hashtag is Dave Babe, and <laughs> he used to hate it, but I think he's grown to embrace it. He's amazing. I have two kids. I have a little girl. She just turned two in September. Her name is Lila. Her hashtag is Sweet Lila James. And I had a son in June, so he's a little over six months, and his name is Knox. My husband went to school in Tennessee at the University yes. of Tennessee in Knoxville. So it's about it's about an hour and a half or so from me. Not very far. I'm in Chattanooga. Yes. Oh yeah. It's I mean it's a beautiful town, and I don't think Knox is the most original name in Tennessee, but not a lot of people have it here in North Carolina. It's a so. great name, and that town actually really is beautiful. I've spent just a very little bit of time there. My, my limited experience, and probably my most extensive experience, was on uh, a, a triathlon race day. I did an Olympic distance triathlon there in Knoxville and the race started, wow. I think it started at about five, my, my segment of the race started about five thirty or so in the morning. 
in the very, very cold river there uh, in the riverfront there in Knoxville. But that was that's my my main experience there. Knox is a great name, though. I love that. It's kind of manly and a little bit edgy. And, and uh, you're right. You know, it's funny. As much as you talk about yeah. Tennessee and Knoxville and, and UTK uh, being being popular here in Tennessee, that's not a name that I've heard a whole lot. So yeah, oh, it, it may okay, be more good. unique than you realized. <laughs> nice. I'm into that. I was like, everyone's going to have this in Tennessee, but... How did you meet Dave? So back when I was in college, I was about to be a senior and my school had a required internship and he had just graduated from school in Tennessee. And he was working for a Budweiser distributor in Norfolk, Virginia. We're from Virginia Beach originally. And I was interning for a company that put on these like crazy huge festivals in downtown Norfolk. So yeah, that's how we kind of met. Budweiser was the beer sponsor. And then we ended up getting married like a hundred feet from where we met. No way. So what, what is your favorite thing about Dave? Tell us about that. Oh my God. He's just kind. Mm. He's so kind. And he is the most amazing husband. Obviously I wouldn't have married him, but he's also just an amazing father. And he's just, I mean, he's just kind to everybody. And it's just amazing to see him yeah, with people. No, I'm actually looking at a picture on your Instagram feed right now that the four of you guys, I think he actually has a onesie on, a Christmas onesie on, if, if I'm seeing that right. <laughs> Oh my God, if he could hear you, he would hate me for that. <laughs> but, but he really, I, I'd look at that picture and, I, I, and his smile and his, and his eyes, he just seems genuinely kind. So I, I totally see your point there. That's really, really cool. Well, what is it that you guys like to do with your free time? This is something I'm always kind of curious about. How do you guys spend your free time? So our free time has changed a little bit since we've had um, kids. But if we are out at night without our kids, downtown Wilmington, we're in Wilmington, North Carolina, downtown has, I mean, there's so many things to do. So we like, I mean, to go out to a couple, not like crazy bars, (laughs) but we like to have a couple drinks (laughs) and um, have fun with friends and stuff like that. And with our kids, we um, honestly, it's like the simplest things. Like we love just like going to the park or going on a walk or definitely going to the beach in the summer. We're going to Mexico in a few days. So that's not really what we do in our free time, but we have a vacation. So that's actually cool. But how, how, like how long will you get to go to Mexico for? So we're going for three days Okay. and four nights. Yeah, we're going, well, we're going Monday to Friday, so. So just a quick getaway, really? and have you been there before? Yes, on spring break, a couple years, well, I guess it was a long time ago. Though. <laughs> I like it, you're still thinking young, just a couple of years ago. <laughs> be 30 in two days, seems like a couple of years ago. Oh, well, happy birthday early to you, too. How do you guys create that free time for yourself? I mean, talk about time away just with you and your husband, or of course, the time with your kids. Amidst running a business like you've got, how do you create that free time? Is there a particular tool or technique or something that you do? And it's hard. Like it's really hard. You have to make it and create it. And sometimes we're so tired, but we already asked the babysitter to come over. And so we'll just go out and we'll have dinner. I mean, I just think it's important to have time with you and your spouse. Yeah. Just you two. I think you can kind of get lost in, in your kids and, and everything going on. But he has a job where he's gone for like five weeks at a time. So, wow. I mean, when he comes home, it's, I mean, obviously we make it a, a priority. I can imagine. Yeah. I mean, do you, and do you plan for that? Like you work really, really hard knowing that he's going to be home in say three days and, and get all that stuff off your plate so that you can really focus in on, on time with him. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's easier said than done oh, in sure. the busy season of weddings, Yeah, but, um, and his schedule can sometimes change, but yeah, I definitely try and pack it all in, get it all done. So when he's home those first few days, especially we can just spend family time. That's cool. And, and so uh, that really is a nice segue into talking a little bit about your photography business. You mentioned getting started in in 2013. 
How did you get into photography? What was the impetus for that? So my in-laws actually bought me just like a, you know, one of those like kit cameras for Christmas one year. And one of my friends was getting married. I think she was getting married in Mexico. And so she had just like hired a photographer in Mexico, but she wanted engagement photos. And I was like, oh, I've got a nice camera. Like, I'll do it. (laughs) (laughs) What do you remember what exactly the camera was? Yes, it was a Nikon D5100. Okay, yep, yep. Yeah, I still have it. Awesome. Yes. It's good It's good to look back to your roots, right? Kind of harken back yeah. to the old days. <laughs> exactly. And looking back, I mean, those photos are so bad. But I thought I was so good. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm the best. Like, this is going to be an amazing career. I'm so good with like my kit lens and my kit camera. Yeah. You know what I love about that, though, is most photographers that I talk to, I think, on the podcast, they talk about the apprehension and the fear. I love that you had confidence. You're like, ah, I'm awesome. Let's do this. Absolutely. I was like, I'm the best. <laughs> I don't know why people aren't paying me. <laughs> have you always had that kind of confidence when it came to doing something new? I think so. Yeah, I think that's kind of how our parents raised us. I think my mom would still let me try out for American Idol if like, <laughs> I wanted to, even though I can't keep a tune. That's funny. Yeah. I mean, there was no other really option. I was like, I'm going to make this work. That's and cool. I did. Yeah. So what is, that was 2013. How long did mm-hmm. it take you to get into photography full time? And how many weddings are you going to, are you going to shoot this year? Do you think? So I've got, I'll probably shoot 30. I've got 28 books wow. and I like to keep a, I mean, that's a lot of weddings, but I like to keep somewhat of a balance. So I usually, I won't go more than 30. So how long did it take you to get to that, that point of shooting 30? Because I mean, this is not even, if if I look at 2013, so that's what, four and a half, five years or so, and you're already shooting 30 weddings a year, that's a pretty quick jump to 30. Yes. So I, let's see, 2013, I started and then 2014, I probably had my first, I had my first wedding. Okay. It was the fall of 2014. And a couple, I mean, a girl I went to college with just reached out to me. I had a really great experience in college and I still have just a really great network of people. So she had reached out to me and something had happened with her photographer and she, um, she asked me if I would shoot it. And I was like, yes, but like full disclosure, I've never shot a wedding. (laughs) So I think I did five weddings that fall and then, um, well then I got pregnant. And so I think I did 12 the next year. Wow. Um, But still 12. That's incredible. How do you, but you yeah. shoot that first wedding in the fall and you said you had five that fall. How did those subsequent weddings hear about you? On it, I mean, just friends, friends from college, friends wow. from mostly college, not high school. But yeah, I mean, I had a really good network of people and they were really advocate. I think they believed in me more than I believed in myself. <laughs> um, I was like, yeah, I can do your wedding. Like, I've never done it. But so yeah, it was honestly just friends and a few people just like needed a photographer. They're like, we're getting married so soon. And, you know, I was like, okay, like I'll do it. I can do it. And, you know, you learn very quickly after that first wedding, when you say you'll do the full day, Yep. it was like 12 or 13 hours. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Brutal. Absolutely brutal. (laughs) I felt hungover the next day with no alcohol. (laughs) Now I'm curious, you talked about the Nikon D5300 for, for the gearheads out there. What do you shoot with now? I shoot with Nikon. I was shooting with 810. I have two 810s and I just got the 850. Nice. Love it. And do you have a go- go-to lens or two that you're usually shooting with? Yeah. So I shoot almost with all prime lenses. I love the 50 and I used to be so obsessed with the 85. You know, that like nice bokeh oh, cream. Yeah. 
now I've just been obsessed with the 35. So I do, I mean, I shoot with the 85, 85, 50 and 35, mostly on a wedding day and the macro if I need it. But and do you just put all those lenses in a, in a sling over your shoulder? Like how do you carry them? Cause I, I, I love yeah. the simplicity of, of three prime lenses like that. It's got to make shooting so easy. Yes. I just have like an Ona camera bag. It has its little compartments and three lenses. And then I have like a backpack. I have a, like a zoom and I keep like a backup camera and 50 in my other bag and like flashes and stuff like that. I just bring it in just in case, but yeah, I just keep my one bag with me the whole time. It gets really heavy, especially when you're pregnant, but I can it, imagine. <laughs> it's easy. And I just, I don't think you need so many things to make beautiful photos. I think yes. you need to know your gear and know your equipment and, and how to use it. It's, it's so true. I, I've told the story, I think before on the podcast, but I remember my first digital camera, I think, again, this was about 2005 or so, going from shooting film, uh, primarily in a Nikon F100, I went to the Nikon D1X. And mm-hmm. the D1X had less than six megapixels, it was five, a little over five megapixels. And the dynamic range was terrible. It was really easy to blow highlights. And you may experience this in North Carolina too. Here in Tennessee, um, we get this really, especially midday, you get this really splotchy light and, um, and, and the shadows in the eyes are terrible. And then of course that naturally you're trying to expose for the face, but then you're blowing highlight detail on on the dress. And it it was just, Mm -hmm. and it was particularly nightmarish with, with this camera, but I still remember, you know, I mean, with less than six megapixels, which of course even less than what I have on my phone now, (laughs) I was, I was able to, to create images and prints that were, you know, 20 by 30 in size and just get stunning. In fact, I just saw Mm -hmm. one the other day, I think that I created with, with that again, it was a 20 by 30. It's a, from an engagement session. I photographed this couple at an airport, gorgeous antique plane in the background. And, so um, pretty. but yeah, 20, 20 by 30 with, with this camera that, you know, the last thing that you would think would, it would create these, these stunning images, but it, it's so, it's so true what you say, which is the approach to photography is about understanding how that equipment works and not necessarily about having the fanciest equipment. And as much fun right. as it is to have, to, to get the latest thing at the end of the day, you need to know how to use it. And that's really, really important. And uh, mm-hmm. that's a good reminder for all of our listeners. Now, um, how do you, you mentioned earlier, the very crowded market that you stepped into, what, how would you communicate your brand position? What is your business's brand position? What sets you apart from the other wedding photographers in your market? I think just using social media and understanding it as a tool for your business. I mean, anyone can really have a beautifully created Instagram feed with their work. And a lot of people use it as their portfolio and it's amazing. But in the beginning, I just didn't have the beautiful content that I wanted to have. And I didn't want to be putting out there, you know, subpar work. So I started posting photos of just myself and my life and which is hard to do. I will say it's very awkward to start posting photos of yourself. But once I got pregnant, I had no shame. I was like, look at my baby bump. (laughs) Um, so people really started to resonate with it. So whether it was like being pregnant or being a photographer or a working mom, um, it got to people on a personal level and it started, um, I mean, it's kind of started as like clients wanted to get to know you. They want to know you. They want to know the person behind the camera and they want to feel that personal connection on their wedding day. So I feel like it's definitely worked for my business. And I feel like people want to know, even if it's my, I mean, most of my photos on my Instagram are from my iPhone and everybody wants to know, we live in such a digital age. Everyone wants to know, how did you take that photo? What filter did you use? Like, why does it look so much better than my iPhone photo? Yeah. So I think that, I mean, the best camera is the one you have with you, right? So like, if it's your cell 
happen. You want to know how to like optimize it. So I started getting messages all the time. Like, how did you shoot this photo? It, whether it was an Instagram on my phone or a professional photo, you know, what settings did you use? So I kind of got a wider set audience. I have a lot of moms. I have a lot of clients. I have a lot of, you know, photographers, people that just want to know how I shoot. I mean, I think it definitely depends like what's going to work for your business. Showing just my portfolio just does is not me. It is not. And people are going to see through kind of the fakeness of it. I think that kind of sets me apart. That's people really just, interesting. Especially in my market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So that, I don't think we've had any of our guests and we're, I don't know, 80 some odd interviews or so in now. Um, but I don't think we've had any of our guests communicate this as their position or what actually makes them different. So I want to pick this apart just a little bit and understand mm-hmm. it better because I, and I mentioned this to you in, in an email um, that I sent to you yesterday, but I, I look at your Instagram account and I'm, I'm so envious on, on multiple levels. First of all, you do portray your, your life and your family very, very beautifully, but you also do it very, very consistently. And it's funny that you mentioned the filters because even I was like, what is the filter that she's using? On there? It's absolutely <laughs> stunning. And I'm not even usually that, that I don't care that much about, about, you know, filters, but at the end of the day, consistency is so important in an Instagram feed and you do it really, really beautifully with this finish. So we'll, we'll get to that in just a little bit as well. But I love that, you know, as a wedding photographer, um, it, one of the things that we hear from photographers sometimes is they'll, they'll communicate ideas about their brand. You know, I'm, I'm happy or I'm adventurous or I'm mm-hmm. this thing or that. And, you know, I mean, at, using adjectives to describe a brand is, is fine, but plenty of people can do that. You're mm-hmm. specifically sharing your personal life with your clients and potential clients. And while many people can do that, they can't mirror what you have to share. And so that naturally sets you apart and you're doing it in a way that's very, very transparent, but you're also doing it in a way that is, is beautiful. And it's, well, and it's tough you. to do both of those simultaneously, I know. So um, again, I want to break that down in, in just a little bit about how exactly you go about that process. But how long did it take you to, to get into using Instagram as a tool to set you apart as a wedding photographer? So I don't even remember when Instagram came out, like 2011, maybe. And when I first got it, honestly, I thought it was just like a way to filter your photos. I did not understand what it was. I was like, oh, cool. I can make myself look better with this filter. Like Nashville is like such a good one. But I quickly realized that it wasn't like people were seeing those photos. So I guess when I started probably in 2014, I started learning how to use it. I mean, better and more consistently. And when, honestly, once I got pregnant, I was getting reposted by, you know, whoever, like big, big pregnancy accounts and like motherhood accounts. So that definitely helped grow. Interesting. So had, what, what was it that helped you learn though? I mean, you became aware of the fact that people are mm-hmm. actually paying attention. That's a great right. start, but then you need to develop a, a process and a technique. Did you learn that from looking at other Instagram feeds? Did you read about it online? How did you learn about that process? Oh, I definitely read about it online. I mean, I was obsessed with Jasmine Starr. Like she, I think I read like every single blog post she ever wrote when I first started because I couldn't afford to like hire somebody to be my mentor or follow them around. And I had a nine to five job. So I would sit at my desk and I would read Jasmine Starr's blog post and Caitlin James was a big one too. And I would just, I would look at their Instagram feeds, you know, and I would, I mean, you kind of start to take notice. Now they have all these apps where you can kind of see what your your feed's going to look like. But I mean, it's important. I think that people don't 
consumers might not realize realize it when they're looking at it, but they want to look at something that's beautiful. And if I'm not showing off like beautiful photos on my social media, why would they hire me to do their wedding? Even if it's not photos that, you know, I might be taking at somebody's wedding, like they're going to want to see consistency through every single social media channel. So whether it's Facebook, your website, Instagram, like they want to see beautiful photos. So I started figuring out how to shoot in, I mean, in the best light, whether it was in the middle of the day and finding shade or, you know, at sunset. So I think I just, you have to learn how to do that. And then you learn, I use the same filter. I use a six on Visco cam every time I take an iPhone photo and bump up the exposure pretty much. And it keeps everything looking the same. And, it, and it's so very consistent and it is beautiful. And, and it's interesting too, that you mentioned the light because I wouldn't have naturally as much as I'm a photographer and think about light. Um, I look at these and I don't automatically think, Oh, she's using great light. Um, mm-hmm. I just think, Oh, they're really beautiful. And, and sure enough, if I start to look at it now, yeah, the, the, the way that you're photographing these, the light is, is absolutely key to making the images look so beautiful. And then it also helps with that consistency. If you're exposing them consistent, consistently or using a similar style of light that helps. Yes. Then throw that filter on top of it, the same filter that also helps. Do you constantly find yourself looking for a moment to capture? And, and do you find that that gets in the way of just kind of living as well? Or how, how do you Absolutely. find those moments? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. <laughs> I think I'm like a little bit, cra- I mean, I love it. It's like such a part of my life and like my core. So it's kind of hard to differentiate sometimes. And I do like, I want to capture everything. And I want like, we have a snow day today. So I'm like pumped to go outside and put makeup on and go take photos. Like it's crazy the way I think about it, but I also enjoy it. It's, I try not to put so much pressure on myself that like you have to post today. You have to post today when it just kind of comes naturally. And if I just wasn't feeling it one day, then I probably just wouldn't post on Instagram and it's not the end of the world. And it's hard because you kind of feel like you're competing with, you know, however many people on that's, that are, that's on Instagram these days. But, um, I mean, it definitely, I would say it probably definitely gets in the way of like my day to day, not in a bad way. It is just fundamentally like, I love it. I mean, it's like what I live for. I want great photos of my kids. I want, I want to see them with Santa Claus. I want to see them playing in the snow for the first time. So I think it comes naturally to want to capture it. I just think I definitely put a lot of pressure on myself sometimes. I don't want anyone to think that it's just so easy in my life. It's like so easy for Instagram. Because it's not. It takes a lot of work in curating. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. If you you take, let's say, five or ten – actually, I should ask you, how many pictures would you – would you snap before you land on one that, that you like? Like I'm looking at this picture of you with your kids. Uh, it looks like at the Christmas tree farm and you're holding uh, Knox there and Lila's kind of underneath looking down at your shoe mm-hmm. or something like that. But it's a really cute picture. Was that just a quick snap or was that something that took no. a little while? To, okay. What did that look yes. like? <laughs> so obviously that I brought my camera to the Christmas tree farm Okay. Um, because when I can bring it, I will, or if I feel like it's not going to be too much. And uh, there were probably like 200 photos and I picked the one that I liked the best or the five or however many that I posted. Yeah. And I mean, it's not, and when my husband takes my photo, there's at least a hundred he just snaps away <laughs> and then tosses the phone at me. <laughs> He's like done. That's so, funny. I mean, yeah. There's definitely a lot that goes into it. It's not like this, some casual photo that just happened to get snapped. Sure. It's very much a lot went into it. Okay. And does he have a photography background at all? No. So do you kind of coach him through that? What does that look like? 
Yeah. I'm like, Dave, make me laugh. Make me smile. He's like, you are crazy. (laughs) So I just kind of like move around and smile and laugh and fake laugh. And, and then I throw my, my A6 filter on there and post it on Instagram. That's awesome. Well, you know, you talked about the amount of effort that goes into it, but if, if this is really the primary tool that represents your brand, um, Mm -hmm. it makes sense that you throw extra effort and time and energy into it. And man, if the worst thing you got to do is take a bunch of pictures to post to Instagram for your business, I I don't think that's too bad. And you've got over 12,000 followers. Most people can't say that. Um, So obviously people are interested as well. But you you talked about, well, ultimately consistently creating a beautiful feed on Instagram for the sake of representing your business. How... How does it accurately reflect your brand or, or reflect on your brand? How does it represent your brand well? Because you know, a lot of photographers can take beautiful images. Um, mm-hmm. So it's got to be more than that. What, what is it? Do you yeah. I mean, I think the photo is important, but I think how you're talking about the photo and your caption, that is equally as important. I mean, I'm not going to post a photo saying, look how good I look today. Like (laughs) that is not, people are going to be like, this girl is insane. Like it's, and I think that I post and I type and I speak on Instagram, how I speak in real life. And I think when people meet Uh, me and they have any kind of experience with me, whether it's just like coffee or me taking their photos, it just, it translates over. I'm the same person. And it, it would just, it would be really hard for me personally to, you know, have a photo, fo- just a, a photo Instagram, of photos that I've taken and just saying, look, I loved this beautiful wedding in Italy. You know, I just, it isn't me. And I think people can see through it. And I think it's important to represent who you are. That, okay. Well, that's really good though, because the, you know, look at me photographing this beautiful wedding in Italy. The, the, the phrase that comes to mind um, that you see from photographers a lot is, I'm so excited to, and then, you know, dot, Mm -hmm. dot, dot, they fill in the blank and they use that same phrase or maybe three or four phrases over and over and over again. I love that you, that you specify just communicating the way that you normally would. It makes it natural. Mm -hmm. Are you the type that kind of, um, analyzes or overanalyzes the, the, um, grammatics or grammatical structure of what you're saying, or you just, you just keep it as natural as possible and put it out there? Well, I just, I do love grammar. Like I really try and make sure everything's grammatically correct, but usually I just literally type whatever pops into my mind because I also don't, I have two kids and a husband. I don't want it to take so much time away from my family. Like I love it, but you need, I mean, you need some kind of a balance. I'm not going to sit there and for 20 minutes and think about a caption. I even have friends sometimes that are like, text me their photos and they're like, can you just write my caption? I'm like, I can, but it's going to sound just like me. Right. You know what I mean? So I definitely don't, I try not to, I mean, of course, sometimes I do, everybody does, but I try really hard not to, to overthink it. Well, and and one of the things that I'm noticing, and I'm kind of scrolling through your feed, uh, looking at captions that you're putting on there, the the caption doesn't necessarily speak about what is going on in the image. And that's kind of an interesting Mm -hmm. idea to me. What's the thought process behind that? For example, and and maybe this will make it easier, but like I'm looking at the picture of, of another picture of you guys at the, um, at the Christmas tree farm. So you're kind of squatting mm-hmm. down, Lila's bending over, she's got a, a mug in her hand and Knox is looking on like what in the world's going on here. <laughs> but in that, that, the caption that you use was putting Lila in school was easily one of my best decisions, but getting her there by 830 is still hard. Am I right? I'm tired this week, but wouldn't trade the chaos and exhaustion for anything. My college self is eye rolling me hard. I'm closing in on 30 <laughs> and only 10% of me is starting to feel like a real adult. So talk a little bit about the thought process behind using a caption like that that really doesn't Mm -hmm. specifically speak to the image. 
So I'm pretty sure I had already posted a photo from the tree farm. So when it came to that, I, I knew pe- obviously I didn't take that photo that day. Sure. You know what I mean? And people knew that. Yeah. And also I feel like, honestly, a lot of people feel like I do at this moment in their life with two kids. Sure. And I mean, it literally, it's just what I thought about. I, I didn't, I don't even think I showered that day. So it's not like I had a great image of myself from the day to post. Right. So, and I, and it's important. I mean, I try and post every day. It is important, but, um, I didn't have a good photo or I didn't have one that was going to match my feed. So, but I loved that photo. So I just, I posted it and I mean, people, I, and, and I think it's important too, to remember that like, clearly I don't get dressed up every day and like go to the tree farm and take photos. Like that's <laughs> not, that is not my life. That'd be kind you of know? weird. And so I don't think people want to see some perfect picture, perfect life. Like that is not the reality. Sure. So I just, I mean, I just try and and keep it real with people. You keep like, it real and, and you make it yeah. relatable too, I think is, is what you were saying earlier. And, and I love, I mean, the, this response on that particular image under that caption, I think sums it up well. Um, this girl named Erin says, ha ha, I feel you girl. And mm-hmm. you know, that, that simple response, that empathy, the relatability, that really makes a big difference. And, and I'm learning this myself. I'm still learning it. And I've been a business owner for you know, 15, 16 years now. And um, the idea of running social media accounts for my business is still a major learning curve. Yours is certainly a great example for me. But one of the things I have to keep in mind, as much as I want to highly, highly edit and curate and overthink the caption, at the end of the day, people really connect most with something that is personal. Mm-hmm. And so this is a really great reminder. And, and speaking of, and I think this is a good segue to maybe, I, I, maybe you could just share with our listeners a few tips that would help them develop a more consistent Instagram feed, feed for, for their brand. Because I mean, mm-hmm. I know I need to learn much when it comes to running my Instagram feeds, but, but um, how would you recommend they go about that process? So for starters, I think if you're not sharing photos of yourself, I th- and I know that it's hard, I think when you're looking at your Instagram, you see like the whole feed, you see nine photos. I think one of those photos should be of your face or of you doing something. It doesn't have to be a formal headshot, but I think that people want to see, um, see your face. And I think also that you don't have to share everything. You don't have to share every photo that you take just because you want people to think that you're busy. Like, don't feel like you have to do that. I think if you want to share a photo maybe that you don't love or, or that you love, but it doesn't match your feed or your brand. I think it's important to utilize Instagram's features. So sometimes if I, if I want to share a photo, but I don't, you know, it's like a behind the scenes, I, I'll use a swipe feature so that the first photo is some like beautifully lit, perfect photo that I want people to see on my feed. And then the second photo is maybe like a behind the scenes or like a not so glamorous photo. And you can kind of talk about that in your caption, like swipe left to see me like really not looking good at this wedding or something, (laughs) you know, like people want to see that stuff. And then I would also say if you're using a filter, use the same one. I mean, you don't have to just throw a filter and call it a day. You can edit, you can edit with the filter, right? So I use Visco or VSCO or whatever it's called cam. I use a six every time and I adjust the contrast and I adjust the exposure if it's a little underexposed and I sharpen it a little bit and I upload it to Instagram every time, unless it's a professionally taken photo that I took with my actual camera and it looks consistent and, and people like consistent. 
it's why I can go to Starbucks anywhere in the whole wide world and my, my drink's gonna, it's gonna taste the same. Ah, that's a, that's an interesting analogy and example too. Yeah. That's really important. The consistency. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think people want a reason to follow you. You need to give them a reason to follow you. It's not going to make sense for me to be like, look how cute my kids are. And then me like getting drunk downtown. Like I would never, (laughs) never see that photo. You know, like people, once you start building your following, people, um, they want to know what you've been posting about. So for me, it's photos and babies and pregnancy clothes. Honestly, people wanted to know where I got my like $5 forever 21 skirt that I wore when I was pregnant. And that's, I mean, that's why, why they followed me. They wanted to know what I was wearing or they wanted to know how I took my photo or they wanted to know where I got my kids clothes. And so once you realize or realize who your audience is, I think you need to make sure your captions are uh, identifying with those people. Oh man, this is good. And really, I, I think you've ended up giving us like five different things there and I want to jump back through them really quick. Um, So first of all, you mentioned the photos of you and, and again, being the, the still rookie Instagram user that I am, I'm, I'm still amazed at the difference and engagement that I get when I post a picture of myself, whether it's just Mm -hmm. a simple, you know, uh, selfie of me and flying somewhere or me with my kids or otherwise. But I've, I've purposely avoided doing that just because I didn't want to seem too egocentric or, you know, make, try to make it all about me. But what you're actually suggesting is that putting yourself out there can actually get more engagement. And I've certainly found that I'm amazed, you know, like I'll get just a few likes with, with one particular image that I'm, I'm thinking this is, this is compelling, this is interesting, or this is beautiful. But then I post a really simple selfie and that's the thing that gets the engagement. So I think that's really interesting. And ultimately is that, do you think that's just because people want to see you, this, this feed is ultimately about you. And so they want to see you. What is, how does that make a difference? Yeah. I mean, it's your, is your, if your Instagram is just your name or your business, people want to see the person behind it. I mean, I get way fewer likes on, you know, wedding photos that I post, honestly, but clients see them and my Instagram goes to my website. It's not like people can't see my photos if they go to my website. So Instagram, I just feel like it's so personal. It's so much more personal than a website or even Facebook. And people want to know about your life. Like as weird as it sounds sometimes, like they do. I mean, I want the people that I follow, like I don't even know them. And I'm like, oh my God, their kid's so cute. Or, you know, like I know their kids' names. (laughs) It's so weird. And I'm like, I wonder what their kid's doing today. I wonder, I wonder if they liked school because of something else that they posted. You kind of feel like you get to know someone through social media and they want to know you too. And that's why like on a, maybe even like a not so clear selfie, maybe it's a little bit grainy. You're going to get way more likes than you would on a professional photo. And even like with the, the captions, like I posted a, this like confetti photo a couple of months ago and it got like over 500 likes, which never really happens on my professional photos and a ton of comments. And it's because of the people I tagged, whatever I wrote as the caption. I mean, I think it's important too to be tagging. I try and tag every vendor that I worked with or whatever, you know, I'm wearing, I try and tag them because once you're like reposted by somebody, that's how the people find you too. It's not just through like the search that's so um, true. thing on Instagram. Yeah, that's so true. Well, I, I love that reminder of, of 
just letting it, being okay with making it about you because ultimately that's who people are wanting to connect with. I think that's a great reminder. The idea of not sharing everything that you photograph or you know, maybe even going ahead and sharing that photo that didn't necessarily get to you that, that you were excited about sharing, but understanding that kind of being real and sharing some of that behind the scenes footage, if you will, is important by using uh, the multi-image feature there on Instagram. That's a great idea because you, as you mentioned, you, you maintain consistency with that first image but then they can swipe to the left to see what all went on behind the scenes. And I think that's a great recommendation. Using the same filter, we talked about that a number of times. And, and really, the, the consistency in your feed is, is impressive. So kudos to you for that. Thank um, you. And to Visco, too, since we've given them a, a few <laughs> plugs. And then, yeah. um, and then giving them a reason to follow you. I, this is compelling for me. And I'm, I'm actually taking written notes here as you're talking. But this is a really good reminder for me as well. You know, it's not just about simply posting pictures, but having a reason or maybe a series of reasons behind why you're posting those pictures that will not only give people something interesting to look at, but ultimately drive that consistency that we're talking about. And that's that's a really, really compelling recommendation piece of advice. And, and really, frankly, a great way to to kind of close this conversation off. I think there's so much helpful advice and good reminders here for our listeners. And I can't thank you enough for making time um, to share it all with us. How can our listeners follow you on Instagram? How can they find your website and, and see you on Facebook as well? Yes. So my Instagram is at Kate Supa with two A's on the end because somebody already had my actual name, but so okay. K-A-T-S-U-P-A-A. And then my website is katesupa.com and on Facebook it is just Kate Supa. Oh, that's perfect. And yeah. um, you guys make sure you go take a look, particularly at Kate's Instagram feed. This has been really, really good information for all of us. Good reminders. Thank you so much, Kate, for making time for the Boca podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for listening to the Boca podcast today. Will you let us know what you think by leaving a review of the podcast in iTunes or maybe in the Apple podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast, maybe suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My direct email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. <laughs>